Welcome to the MetPro Method Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal O'Keefe. Today, I am joined by Joe Saul Sihai from the podcast Stacking Benjamins. Today, we're going to talk about a little bit of a different health topic, but a very important one, financial health. Joe, thank you so much for being here today. Crystal, I'm only here for one reason. I want to announce my retirement because I finally made it to the MetPro method. So you go out on top, right? Go out on top. Yeah, that's That's it. I'm done. All right, Joe, here's here's what I feel like I need to say. You need to set your sights higher. Are you kidding me? You know, it's funny. Jesse, my Met Pro coach, tells me that all the time. And I know she's listening to it. She's like, Joe, you can do better. Come on, let's go. <laughs> Joe, tell us a little bit about your background and how, like, how did you decide to start the podcast Stacking Benjamins? Oh, man, this is a long, convoluted story, but I was a money mess up. I grew up in a family crystal, like most families, where we didn't talk about money. If we did, I had a brother and sister, and my brother's sister and I walked in the room, and my parents were talking about money, average middle-class family. You walked out of the room, like immediately. You were told to leave. So I go off to college. I went to a school called the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina, and when I got there, This is a school where you march, you wear uniforms. You can't have like a part-time job, Crystal. (laughs) And I immediately, like most people, I'm not throwing my parents under the bus. Very few people get financial education. But I go into Mark Clark Hall, our student union, and there's this line like out the door. And I don't know if they're offering, I don't remember if it was Frisbees or Beach Towels or whatever, but of course, it's a line for American Express to get a credit card. And so I get in this line, I sign up. I don't know anything about it. I just know I can use somebody else's money to buy stuff. And of course, everybody knows this. I write very truthfully. I have no income. (laughs) I have no assets on the thing. And you know what happened? Three weeks later in the mail, I get this cool green card. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. So the first time we get leave, we're allowed off campus. Me and a few friends of mine, we go to North Charleston and there's this big high-end mall. And we go to this really exclusive restaurant you might have heard of before called Ruby Tuesday. I'm not sure if you <laughs> It's like this very high-end place. They have a salad bar and everything. It's amazing. But, you know, I want to be friends with these people. I just met all these people. And so when the bill comes, I put that credit card in the air and I went, I got it. I got it. And everybody's like, what? I'm like, I'm paying for lunch. I got it. Not even thinking about how I'm going to pay that bill. Like, I have no idea. So, and this is, by the way, you asked me how I became a financial planner. This is where we start, right? Joe screwed it up. So, (laughs) not not only do I buy lunch, I go down to the other end of the mall because I'm like a magnet for the most expensive store in the mall, Nordstrom. Oh. And I see on the mannequin this badass sweater. And it's kind of, you know, I graduated from high school in 1986. So it's, it's late 1986. So this is a Duran Duran looking sweater. Oh, you know, yeah. I could have been on the, like the Rio video where they're all on the, on the, on the boat. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. Did you so have the, the popped collar underneath the sweater? <laughs> of course I did. Of course you did. Yes. I love it. <laughs> so I buy the sweater on the credit card and then you know, go go about my business. And by the way, again, I'm at a military college. I can't even wear the sweater. I gotta wear I gotta wear a uniform every day. It's so anyway, I don't know what I was thinking. Well, I know what I was thinking. It was cool. And yeah. I had somebody else's money. So um, you know, a, a month later, 
I, I walked to the student union. Of course, this is before email. So I would always get excited. Every cadet gets excited when, when you get mail. Sure. And we had these, all these, you know, this row of post office boxes that had, uh, that have glass in the front. So you can see, and most days you go there and you're disappointed because nobody wrote you. But on this day, there's a letter in there and I open it up and the letters from American Express. And I'm like, I bet they're thanking me. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, thank you so much for using our card to take your friends out and buy Aww. that sweater. That'll be great. <laughs> but it wasn't that. It was a bill for this stuff. They wanted you-, you to pay for it? What? Isn't that BS? It That's is such so baloney. Rude. <laughs> yes. So I did what any smart person would do that doesn't have a job and works, you know, uh, marches uh, on campus. I called my mom and I said, hey, mom, we have a problem. And mom said, no, you've got a problem. And I, I uh, lost lost the card like two months later. The card was gone, right? My credit was ruined. It went to collections. The next summer, you know, it seemed like a bajillion dollars. It was probably $400. You know, by the time all the fees, it was, it was like $200 worth of stuff, but it had doubled to 400 with the fees and the interest charges and all that stuff. And when you have so no I, money, that feels like... A lot of money. Forever. Yeah. Forever. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that was on one side. I was a money mess up. On the other side, I went on TV. I didn't go on TV. I'd watch TV. And I'd watch these people on like the Today Show or Good Morning America that were these financial experts and were a whiz with like, hey, here's the cool things to do with your budget. Here's the great ways to invest. Here's all the neat things you can do. All the stuff we never talked about. It seemed like magic to me. And um, a friend of mine actually called me. I'm working three jobs because I thought this is a lie, by the way. This is a lie that people still think today. You can out earn your bad money habits, right? Ooh, hey, yeah. so that's like out exercising your bad eating habits. You can't do either. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like, well, not only like Jesse, you know, reminds me of that, but I remember like Alberto Salazar, right? Alberto, the great coach of the of the men's distance team. I was a distance runner at the Citadel and a scholarship athlete, uh, which is how wow. I ended up there from Michigan. And yeah. um, I remember him having a heart attack and saying, you know, I always thought that running made it so I could eat whatever I wanted to. And right. Shock, he had a heart attack at a young age. But yeah, you can't out earn your bad money habits. You can't. And I thought that I could. I thought if I just get more jobs I and not have a budget, it will take care of itself. And it never did. Well, anyway, I'm working those three jobs. And I had a friend call me and say, and this is a direct quote, we don't normally hire people like you because like I was an you. English creative writing major. <laughs> okay. But I think you'd be really good as a financial planner. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm a money disaster. I'm a horrible with money. There's no <laughs> way. My credit score is like two digits, right? <laughs> but I take the job and I'm really interested and I grew up in, in farm country in West Michigan. If I would have known what an engineer was, I probably would have been one. I'm surrounded by engineers. I'm always attracted to engineering stuff. I love seeing how it's built. Um, and so I became a financial planner and I, I was really good at it because I could explain these concepts that finance people usually explain in big language that we don't know. And I could do it like the guy next door who's messed it all up because that was me. A couple of years later, I I was still a sham. I was making great money now, but I was spending that. And it didn't matter how much money I made. If I would have made a quarter million dollars, I would have spent three hundred thousand. If I would have made four hundred thousand, I would have spent five hundred thousand because I just thought I could live that lie. And one day after I was working with clients, I ran out of gas. 
um, alongside this road. And I'm in this old beat up minivan because I can't afford a different car. I actually went to a car dealership to get a different car because a friend of mine told me I came clean with him. And I'm like, dude, I am a sham. I have horrible credit. My money's awful. I know I'm rocking as a financial planner, but I'm not living what I'm telling other people to do. And he's like, well, I know you need a car. I have these young twins. Go to a car dealership. They'll give everybody credit. Like everybody gets credit. I found out that's not true. You can have credit bad enough that the guy, I told the guy, I told the salesman, I'm like, I have horrible credit. The guy leaves like, no problem. Well, you're good. Comes back and he's like, dude, you have horrible credit. He was like, like yeah, yeah, you weren't lying. It's worse than you thought. <laughs> yes. Yes. Ouch. So it's, it's a much longer story than this, but I, this day I ran out of gas. I had no money. I had nobody to call. I couldn't borrow anymore. And I realized I needed to start walking the talk. I need to start actually doing the things I was telling other people to do. Stop the shortcuts. Stop trying to get rich quick and instead build a foundation, get the right people around you, which is why I think I like Jesse so much at Met pro is my coach get the right people around you have messaging coming in all the time that's congruent and you'll get there faster than you think and what's cool is within about four years my money situation went from horrible to pretty good and within eight years I was phenomenal. Like things were great. And I still, by the way, am horrible with money. I'm always attracted to spending. Uh I'm always attracted to doing the wrong things. I want to buy stupid stuff, but I've set up systems. And this has been the key for me. I've set up systems and reminders so that even though I want to do the wrong thing, I do the right thing. So after selling my business at age 40, I started a blog. The blog became a podcast. And now the podcast has been going 12 years later. We've had 40 some million downloads. Wow. The Stacky Benjamin Show. Wow. Yeah. 12 years of a podcast. I mean, I know some people out there may not realize the relevance of that, but you were podcasting before podcasting was even a thing. Like that is 12 years that, I mean, people were not podcasting back then. That's amazing. I, th- I thought we were late, Crystal. I seriously thought we were late. And if I had anything I'd do over again, the year we thought about it, right? The year we thought about it, I would take that back. But how often do we say that about anything? I mean, we say that about our diet. Like, I'm, you know what, if I would have started that a year ago, you can't start a year ago. So just start now. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then I thought we were so late to the game. Well, you definitely weren't. 40 million downloads over 12. That's amazing. Congratulations with all that you have built. That's fantastic. It, It is super fun. The show is very light. It is meant to be positive messaging that you can do this. I mean, you can, if I can do this, you can do it. And so the show's live from my mom's half finished basement because as you know, Crystal, most podcasters are pretending they're not in their mom's basement. So we own it. (laughs) And and then second, it also, you know, makes, I think people realize that even though my co-host is a certified financial planner and I was a financial planner and a spokesperson for, believe it or not, I became a spokesperson for American Express later. I'm like, I don't think you guys do your homework because I wrecked my credit with your card and now I'm a (laughs) spokesperson for you. So, so, uh, but two of us really, nobody wants to listen to two industry insiders. So instead we try to have a lot of fun, make it so that it's a community and and positive. And I think that's been a big part of the win. Absolutely. I mean, money can be a very dry topic and it's also it's stressful, right? So we avoid it. It's it's kind of it's the same as food. Like what is exciting about food unless you're eating it, you know? So like spending it with the money, right? So <laughs> what do we want to talk about? I love that you keep it light. I love that you keep it entertaining because people need that. We all need to know 
how do we stay healthy? And and I am really curious, like if you had to define financial health, like how would you define it? Because I feel like that can be a different answer for many different people. I feel like financial health is either you can do what you want to do when you want to do it. So it's not actually about the money, Crystal. It's not about the money at all. Like if, if I answer that with a money answer, um, then I think we're actually doing it wrong because money's just a conduit to those things in life that we really want to appreciate. I think money allows us to be present. Like when I was a money disaster in the mid nineties, I could not focus on long-term stuff. I couldn't focus on what heaven was for me because I didn't know how I was going to eat tomorrow, right? So what money really is for me is this ability to think about what my true values are and to be able to focus more on those things than on the basics and my credit card debt and all this, you know, all this mumbo jumbo stuff. You don't have to be there, I think, to be have good money. I think if you're just on that path, if you know what the path is, like I'll tell you, everything changed for me when I just changed my mindset. Even though I wasn't there yet, I still had all these collection agencies after me. I had just this horrible hole I'm digging myself out of. The day that I realized that I was in charge of tomorrow and these collection agencies weren't, were the day that I felt like my financial health really was where it needed to be. Yeah, that's that's tough. And again, I relate it back to coaching. Let's say you're you want to lose weight. That's your goal. And maybe you have a lot of weight that you want to lose and it can feel incredibly overwhelming. And and it can whenever you're in financial debt too. Like the stories you're telling remind me of some things that happened in college. <laughs> <laughs> I things mean, that may remain nameless. Exactly, exactly. Um but you know, at the same time it's like you you do grow up, you do get more mature and you start to understand things. But to your point, you have to have a way to learn them. Like that stuff is not just obvious. Somebody has either you need to read it. You need to listen to a podcast. Yeah. You need to consume some way of knowing that there is a better path. I'm curious also, do you feel like there are some things that like anybody can do? Because you said it doesn't really matter how much you're making. So if somebody's like, what is one step that I can take to get financially healthy? What is something they can do regardless of income? Oh, cool stuff. So uh, I'll give you two. Okay. Actually, I'll give you a bonus one. Okay. The first one is we can just automate the easy stuff. It is not about discipline. It's not about keeping your head out of the refrigerator, which Jesse tells me to do. <laughs> it's not about that. It isn't even about pre-planning, which I found like, you know, planning my meals, which MetPro really taught me is a huge part of my winning, yes. right? That decision-making is already done. We can do something similar with our money, but it's actually a one-time thing that lasts forever, where every week I have to still plan my meals. Uh-huh. If I set direct deposit, so my money flows exactly where it needs to go, that is the key to everything. So if I want to save $50, I set up an automatic transfer from my checking account where the money's easily accessible to whatever account I want it to go to that meets the goal. Maybe it's a savings account, maybe it's high yield savings account. I like having that account, by the way, that you save into at a bank or an institution that doesn't have a debit card. And it's a little hard to get to it because if we put these little barriers between us and our money, our brains are amazing. But well, it's our brains crystals, you know, are two things. It's lazy on one hand, but if we really force it to be amazing, it will be. Like it's like this person, there's this old time detective show that I 
I used to listen to called Nero Wolf. And I read some of the books. And Nero Wolf was this guy that never got out of his armchair, but he would solve the mystery. And your brain's <laughs> kind of like that, right? Your yes. brain sits, sits around. It'll do the wrong thing all the time if you let it. But if you force it to do the right thing, it will be even more brilliant than we give it credit for. So if I put my savings in a spot that's hard to get to, your brain's going to whine and go, but what if I need that money? What if, what if something comes up? What if whatever, you know what I found my, all my years as a financial planner, which was 16 years, I've been done a long time, but all my years as a financial planner, when I challenge people to do that, they never go get the money because your brain, when the money's not that accessible, oh, I'm going to have to call the bank. I got to drive across town. Oh, I got all the, your brain goes, oh, I found an easier way. I found a different, <laughs> I found a different way. And it's so great. Your brain is so awesome. So set your brain up for that win by putting some little barriers between you and your money, which, by the way, is different, right? Everybody thinks, well, I need my money accessible. Just set up these challenges. So that's one. Number two is look at your subscriptions. We can all do this one. So people are like, how am I going to save 50 bucks, Joe? How am I going to save 100 bucks? Look at your subscription. I'll give you one that I've been complaining about for a long time. And I keep telling myself, if I keep talking about this, I'm actually going to do it. So this is what I'm not doing. My cousin does this and it's amazing. Okay. Randy and I will sometimes get on the Xbox and play golf together. He lives halfway across the country from me. It's just nice catching up with him. But we just chat, right? It's just a way for us to chat. And so we're sitting there talking and, uh, and I noticed that about once every four or five months, he quizzes me. He's like, so what are your favorite shows on Netflix? And then five months later, what are your favorite shows on Disney Plus? And finally I asked him, I'm like, why are you asking me this stuff? What he and his spouse do, which is awesome, they've realized something that I apparently can't comprehend, which is I only have one set of eyes, Crystal. I can only watch one thing at a time. Yeah. So if I can only watch one thing at a time, why the hell do I have Disney Plus, I have Apple TV, I have Amazon Prime Video, I have Netflix. I don't have anything else right now, but I have four, right? I used to have HBO, but I got rid of the HBO <laughs> one. Um, Randy has one. And what he does is he goes to everybody he knows. He goes, what do you love on Netflix? Gets this list of all the best stuff. And then for the next three months, they watch that. And then he cancels it. And then he signs up for Disney Plus. And then he does Disney Plus for four months. Okay. This... But I will say they're starting to fight back against that. Do you know that? They're like, now yes. Now they're like, oh, we're only going to give you the shows. We're going to trickle them out each week. And it's to fight right. against it. And I need to binge. I need to binge, Joe. <laughs> I need to binge. Well, yes. He had to turn that off. So he had to watch The Mandalorian after they were all out. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. He's like, okay, I got to wait. Till, and, and, and if they aren't all out, I'm not going to even start. I got to wait until I cycle through them all and hit it later on. So, okay. yes, there's that negative thing. But let me tell you this, this might save me 50 bucks a month. And people will listen to this podcast, Crystal, and they'll go 50 bucks a month. You know, seriously, it's nothing. So let's think about this, though, more long term. 60 bucks a month is $600 a year. That is $6,000 over 10 years. Everybody I worked with, well, not everybody, but most people tell me they're like, I would like to take more vacations. $6,000 every 10 years is two amazing, maybe three really, really good $2,000 trips every 10 years. Imagine if you had three more vacations every 10 years, and it was just by only subscribing to one video thing versus all of them. Yeah. I got to I, I gotta do it. So 
I actually brought that up for me because if I keep saying out loud, I will finally do it. <laughs> so we'll we'll check back. I'm gonna I'm gonna put it I'm gonna put it to do on Jesse's list and have her so, ch- ask check in in a couple of weeks. Did he quit? Can I tell you? <laughs> can I tell you? Can I go off script for a second? Of I don't even know if there is a script. But there this is. is. But this is. Uh, this is. This is my favorite thing that Jesse did for me. Okay. Ever. Okay. Yes, I can't wait to hear this. My favorite thing. So I go every other year to, I'm a total geek. I go to a board game convention. There's like 2,500 people playing board games. It's yeah. super fun, but it's way nerdy and um, and it's awesome. So, you know, Jesse and I was planned for when I'm going to be on the road. Last year I had a book tour. She really helped me with that. But when I go to this board game convention, she's like, okay, let's plan out what you're going to eat because, you know, there's, there's going to be just restaurants, as everybody knows, are a minefield. So she and I work through it. I am literally, Crystal, in the middle of a cheeseburger on Friday. Uh-oh. My defenses are down. Things are bad. I'm having cheeseburgers, some fries, and a beer. And by the <laughs> way, then I get reflux after. So it's just horrible. So it's not even in the moment it's great, but I know I'm gonna I'm not making a good choice. Right in the middle of lunch, I get a note from Jesse that just says, I'm Joe. I'm sure you're making great choices. Keep going. Now that is timing. That is timing. Her ability to make me feel awful with through positivity and positive coaching is amazing. It's fantastic. It's why I love her. Yeah, that is quite the skill that she has. <laughs> That's hilarious. Ninja. <laughs> she read your mind. She felt your arteries clogging from she afar. Told, I feel like Jesse's got like the bat phone, you know, where the beacon comes on. Joe needs help right now. Quick. <laughs> And I just have to say that nerds are cool now. So you go play your board games because I have two teenagers in high school right now. And it's all about nerds at high school now. Like Fabulous. Where was it then? Those are really great tips. I am curious about people who say... Like sometimes if you try to put money aside... This happened to me when I was young. I would try to put money aside and then like something would happen. Do you have any advice for people who are like, okay, I'm going to put that $50 a month aside or whatever that number is. But then like you have that auto debit and now um, it came out, but also you had to go pay for a car repair today. And now your account is negative. Is there some kind of like plan you can put in place to think about those things? Oh yeah. No, this is awesome. Because if we think about the order of operations, like what we do first with that money. I mentioned a bank like across town because of the fact that we don't want to put this anywhere that's volatile. We do want it a place where if our brain runs out of other options, I have that money available. And what's cool is, is that when I turned my situation around, I had to get on a cash diet. Now I'll tell you, points are really cool. And I use credit card points now, but that's because I pay my bill off every month in full. But if you're not paying your bill off in full, I had to get a credit diet because I had to have respect for a dollar. I had to, I had no respect for money. I just thought, okay, if I just, you know, like I said, if I just make more. So the reason you've got that account across town is your brain runs out of other options. You go, okay, you know what? My car's broken down. I got to take an Uber across town to get my cash. And it's there and it's cool because that account goes to zero, but that's what that account is for. We call it, you know, some people call it an emergency fund. I actually don't because I think it's more of a cash reserve because when people think of just emergencies, this is also opportunity money. 
you know, you want to you want to take the family to Disney. Disney is five bajillion dollars. And that's what that money's for. It's if I get an opportunity, Disney, for some reason, has a sale. I'm like, OK, I want to take a page of that right now. I'm going to do it. So I like that as the first place, someplace that's stable across town. You can get at it because what that does is then you don't have to go to the credit card. If you do have to go to the credit card, it's very low. So don't ever feel bad about accessing that money. Um, because if you walk your brain through every other thing and it still isn't working, that's exactly what it's there for. And I found, you know, money nerds, by the way, because your question is what money nerds wonder. Money nerds ask the opposite. They're like, Joe, this money earns nothing in a bank account. Uh. Like, I want all my money out earning money. Like, how do I do that? You know what, Crystal? magic happens when you've this money in a savings account and the nerds out there, the professors out there don't realize that your return on this investment is not the pitiful interest you're getting on that account. Return on interest is this. Your ROI is when you have an emergency, you have some place to go and you don't have to go to your to your volatile stuff. Number one, you don't take a 401k loan. You don't have to get into credit card debt. That's ROI number one. ROI number two is when that money really starts to accumulate, now you can go to your insurance policies and you can raise the deductible. Now realize deductibles are the portion you're going to pay if something happens, like on your homeowners, your renter's insurance or your car insurance. But if you're a decent driver, why wouldn't you do a little bit of self-insuring and raise your deductible from 100 to 500? Because you know what that'll do? All of a sudden, I'm paying Progressive or whoever a lot less money for my car insurance. So your ROI is I pay a lot less for insurance. I can be more aggressive with my investments because I don't have to worry about what if I need to access this money. I don't get into credit card debt. The interest on that account is not what you should be focusing on. It's all those other wins. Okay. Here's another question. This might be a dumb question. How does a person who feels like they have no money get access to a financial planner that costs money? Oh, I don't know that you need to. Really? I seriously I seriously don't know that you need to. And frankly, a financial planner, generally speaking, does is is ill-equipped to help somebody start out. Okay. What I would do first, there are financial coaches out there and there's a couple of uh, there's a couple of, of organizations where people can be certified as a financial coach and those people will help you with your budget. A great thing to go by the way, the, the great way to do this, believe it or not, is to the most financial coaches are on Instagram and TikTok now. And if you go to TikTok and you you put in budget coach, you'll find somebody like my friend Allison Baggerly at Inspire Budget who will, that's what she does. She helps people set up a budget. You don't even have to hire Allison. You can just get her tools and work with her um, uh, part-time so that it costs you a lot less money. Financial planners are really the next step. Once you get those basics, that foundation in order, and you now have some assets, and it's time for you to think not about just tomorrow or next week or next year, but thinking long-term, Yeah, that's when the financial planner really comes in. So when you get to the financial planner, you'll have some money to get there. But working with a financial coach, I think is great. But there's a key here. There's a lot of people on TikTok, and there's a lot of people on Instagram who call themselves financial coaches, just like there's a lot of coaches out there saying that they're health and wellness coaches. I was and just thinking it's another way that they're similar. <laughs> Angelo and I have talked about this a ton, right? <laughs> that, you know, you want science behind you. So I would look for that accreditation. If somebody tells you they're a financial coach, they're a budget coach, ask, how are you accredited? If they're like, well, I'm just really good at it. 
you got to go. But if they can show you that they're accredited through one of the national organizations, and you can just research those once they tell you, you don't have to do it up front. I think that's where you start. Okay. I'm curious what your thoughts are on why you think people struggle so much with like getting healthy financially and, and why why did you struggle with it? There's a great study called The Secret Financial Lives of Americans. It's written by a group called Nonfiction Research. And I love this because of the fact that it it shows exactly what you're talking about, Crystal. Of roughly 330 million people in the United States, confidentially, they told this study that nearly half of us cry about our money. Nearly half of us, which is exactly what you're asking, right? Why do we cry about our money? Uh, And what's funny is it actually is a little bit income agnostic. You'd think that those people crying are people living paycheck to paycheck. It is true, but by the slimmest of margins, uh, I think the number is like 46% of people making less than 250,000 say they cry, but like 44% of people making over 250,000 say they cry about their money. So our money's going one way and our values are going another way. And yet there's all this education out there. There's podcasts like ours, there's blogs, there's and there's so much education out there. Sure, there's a lot to wade through, but you can get there. So why do so many people feel like they're left behind? And I think personally, it's because we seize up, we take it way too seriously. It is serious, but it's so serious that we have to relax because it's actually about going out and doing something. And I'll tell you, when my money was horrible, I, I, I wouldn't just do the wrong thing. I'd do nothing, you know? And so putting that foundation in place just means I got to be willing to screw it up. I got to be okay with making mistakes, which is why on our podcast, if you go read reviews of the Stacking Benjamin show, we don't get a lot of negative reviews, but we get one negative review all the time that we will never fix. And when I say all the time, if you go sort through our reviews, it's we screw around too much. And it's funny, Crystal, because we screw around on purpose because I want to tell you that I've messed this up. OG wants to tell you we messed it up and it's okay to mess it up. Go mess it up. Try something. And you know what? I learned through those mistakes that I made. I can now laugh about that stupid sweater I bought or taking my friends to Ruby Tuesday (laughs) and paying for it. It won't kill you to mess it up. There are very few things that will kill you when it comes to setting up that foundation. So I think we need to relax and have some fun. And then we all of a sudden realize we're closer than we think that we were. And I think there's one other thing. We spend too much time looking at the sunset versus looking behind us on the road that we've already accomplished. And let me explain what I mean by that. Yeah. The sun doesn't really set. Now, if I keep walking toward the sun, the sun will continue to stay there and I can walk to the horizon and the horizon is an illusion. And I think we always get in our own head about how we haven't done anything and we should be better off. And social media makes it worse, right? I should be, I could be, I want to be, man, I suck. (laughs) And we fill ourselves full of this negativity. But instead, what we need to do is set some, especially on these big goals, some milestones. So, okay, today I'm going to cancel Disney Plus. And then I celebrate. And I'm not talking about, you know, go on an expensive dinner. I'm just talking about take a second and high five yourself and go, you know what? I've already walked that path and I'm going to high five myself because I took that step. I don't think we celebrate these little wins enough. And I think if we do that a little more and appreciate and have some gratitude for what we've already done, I think we're more likely to be willing to screw it up more. 
Well, I appreciate that. And as a, a podcast listener, I also appreciate that you will take risks and screw things up because if you're listening to somebody that is perfect and dry, I find that boring. So thank you for not being. <laughs> it's so funny. When I was a financial planner, I'd have these mortgage people or lawyers and they come in in this perfect suit with a Rolex watch. And Chris, I'm like, I didn't trust any of those people. If, if you were dressed, per, like, don't get me wrong, I think you should have some pride and dress neatly. But um, but when people were like, perfect. I was like, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, I feel that way a lot of times about salespeople. And I think it's I've kind of figured out over time. And, and it might be the same with the kind of person you're talking about. There's this disconnect between what they're saying and their actions. Like you can you just oh. on a very gut level feel that like they're not exuding what they're actually feeling. And that feels dishonest. And so it's like very instinctual. Something's a little off here. Uh, that's my theory. Anyway, <laughs> what's funny is, is that so we just took a Tina on my team and I took a course. It was just an online course offered through MIT, which is a nice flex, yeah. but it was online and we could sign up and they'd accept anybody. But it was this course about social media and about how it works. And what's interesting is not just with social media, we all think we're the outlier that we're different than each other. They had these great studies they showed us in this course, Crystal, that your gut instinct is most people's gut instinct. And 90% of the time it is right. Like when you feel that, yeah, there's something off about this. This person isn't as perfect as they make themselves look on Instagram reels. They're not like your instinct is usually so. Yeah, love it. (laughs) Joe, what else do you want to make sure people know about financial health? Just a high level topic. I love talking about getting the right help. And I think it's so important to surround yourself with good people when I sold my business and I went over to the media side, I started going into online forums. And the biggest lie is you don't need to hire people. You can do this yourself because you're smart enough. And the argument is always you're smart enough. And the answer to that is, of course, you're smart enough. You're absolutely smart enough to do all this stuff yourself. It is not about being smart. It's about every single person that I worked with. And I worked with some people that could do all this stuff themselves. I worked with a woman at Chrysler because my office was right down the road from Chrysler headquarters. I was in Detroit. And I worked with a woman who negotiated with the IRS on behalf of Chrysler. Tell me she can't manage her investments herself. Absolutely she, she can, yeah. She, she has a master's degree in finance. I work with the head of the minivan platform at Chrysler, which is <laughs> their big thing outside of Jeep. I worked with so many smart people during my career who could have clearly done this themselves. They didn't hire me because they were dumb. They hired me because smart people surround themselves with smart people in that area because we all have an Achilles heel. We all talk ourselves out of the smart thing to do. I think it's so important to have a good team. And I said earlier, you might not need a financial planner. You might not, but you still should look at people that have walked the path that you've walked, take them out to breakfast and say, how did you get here? Tell me about what you did, about what the keys to success were. If I would have been a little less bullheaded and I would have done that sooner, I would have gotten where I am now much, much quicker. Like I totally messed this up. I thought, no, no, no. I like learning all about this stuff. I should have networked a lot more and I should have surrounded myself with this positive messaging. So it's funny whenever people, you know, question a fee, I always kind of laugh about how people will today accept $100,000 of student loan debt for a college degree that may or may not find you a job versus paying somebody 
and they will get you exactly where you want to go. And you know what the expected ROI is? And you're like, oh, I can't do that. Really? (laughs) It doesn't make sense to me. Surround yourself with smart people. Now, I can tell you, by the way, with financial planners, and I'm really monologuing now, so I feel bad for you. I feel bad for everybody listening (laughs) because I'm on a roll, people. I am on a roll. But, But I'll tell you this. I went into a lot of financial planning offices. The person that answers the phone, the receptionist, is the key here. If you call a financial planner, you call a coach, and that person is bitter or they're rude or they just don't seem to be happy with their life, I will tell you these offices are small enough, Crystal, and I, in my job doing PR for Amex, I went in a ton of offices. All the bitter receptionists worked for jerks. Every single one of them. Like, there was always a correlation between the boss and how that person performed. If the person was friendly and greeted you great and was hospitable, there was a good, not always, but there was a really good chance that their boss was the same. If you also walk, if you go to a website or you about a financial planner, financial coach, and it's all about hot stock tips or or how they're like a magician with money and how they, and they're kind of going to take it from you and you're not going to really do it, they're going to do it for you magically, and you're just going to be wealthy, you need to run. (laughs) Because if they're selling the hot thing of the day, you're not working on the fundamental stuff. And this is actually another reason I think why Jesse and Angelo and I get along so well, because of the fact that that it it can't be a fad financial diet. It's got to be grounded in science. It's got to be grounded in this truth of, you know what, this is about healthy living. This isn't about losing three pounds today. This is about healthy living forever. And yeah, the great, you know, Angelo's told me it's under time. The grapefruit diet will work for a while. The Atkins thing will work for a while. The, everything will work for a while. We're not looking for a while. We're looking for, to change our life. And it's the same thing with your money. So if I walk into an office and Jim Cramer's on there yelling, sell, sell, sell on the TV, I got to walk. If the history channels on or, you know, there's travel and leisure magazines talking about dreaming bigger and thinking more about your life and all these cool places you can go and things you can do. That's the advisor I want. That makes sense to me. A lot of sense to me. Also, Jim Cramer drives me nuts with his yelling, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> I'm just waiting for his head to like explode one day. <laughs> I know people, by the way, I've never, he's one of um, just a couple people in the business that I have not chatted with. Um, but I know people in the business that have worked directly for him and have, have said, that guy is just an amazing genius. His ability with like facts and figures, and he goes 100 miles an hour because he doesn't know how not to. Yeah. Um, he just is always moving. And you can ask him a random question about a random company, and he'll start spewing numbers about what's going on there. Dude's amazing. But wow. I think it's kind of entertainment value for everybody waiting for his head to explode, not just me. <laughs> I bet you're right. I bet that's why he does it. <laughs> Joe, thank you so much for your time today. Before I let you go, where can people find you and Stacking Benjamins if they would like to learn more? Yes, two ways. Number one is if you like podcasts, like the Met Pro Method, uh, come listen to us. We're every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's a very chatty. It's We talk about deep stuff, but as I mentioned earlier, presented very, very uh, lightly. So, And that's our goal is to present it very lightly, live from my mom's half-finished basement. If you're more of a reader, I have a new book from Penguin Random House last year called Stacked, Your Super Serious Guide to Modern Money Management, also presented in a fun way. 
the book is a combo of the Hardy Boys Detective Manual, which I loved when I was in fourth grade, and the Cub Scout Wolf Guide. But it's listed, there are these achievements. So you don't need to read the whole book. You just take the achievement you're trying to get today, do that achievement. And then, you know, if you do all the achievements, there's a thing in the back of the book that my mom signed and you can put on your refrigerator and brag to your friends that you got your stack badge. That's amazing. <laughs> Does your mom ever join the podcast? <laughs> she... She does not. She does not. <laughs> funny, actually, you know, you didn't ask me this question, but it is kind of funny and it is a little bit pulling the curtain back. But I actually, Crystal, my mom did do some voiceover stuff for us at first. My mom had me when she was 19. My mom has a very young spirit still today. And she has a very young sounding voice. And um, and so she didn't sound like my mom. She sounded like my sister. <laughs> So I do this nonprofit stuff around Texarkana, where I live now, and I'm at this meeting for a group called Partnership for the Pathway. We build walking trails around town to help people naturally awesome. get more healthy living. Yeah, it's awesome. It, it is great. So we, um, I'm in this meeting, and our founders are John and Julie Ray Harrison, this older couple, and Julie Ray has this wonderful Northeast Texas older woman lilt to her voice, and I'm supposed to be focused on the budget and the stuff we're doing and raising money. But I think because I'm a podcaster, I'm like, oh, my God, you're my mom. Like, you totally are the voice of my mom. And so I asked Julie Ray, I'm like, will you play the part of my mom on some voiceover stuff? And she's like, oh, sir, yes, absolutely. Aww. Let's do it. But then I'm driving home and I forgot the big thing, Crystal, which is now I got to fire my mom. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. I know. And I kept telling her, I'm like, I'm like, mom, mom, but you sound young. That's great. I'm, I'm, I'm firing you for the right reason. I yeah. didn't say fire. Well, I said, mom, I'm going to have Julie Ray do it for the right reason. Yeah. Just, you have to do a spinoff podcast where your, your mom can have a younger voice. So now you're going to have to do a spinoff. <laughs> oh God, no. I can't lose any more hair. No. Back away, Satan. <laughs> Well, thank you again for your time, Joe. I, I really appreciate it. It's been Thanks a lot so of fun. much for having me, Crystal. This was a blast. It really was. Uh, listeners, unfortunately, it is over for this week. That is all. But uh, you can find all the MetPro Method episodes anywhere you get podcasts, or you can go to metpro.co slash podcast. Please be sure to follow the show and rate and review. That lets other people know what to expect. Until next week, don't forget, consistency is key. 